This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com. That's digmeoutunion.com. Both URLs available for your pleasure. You know what else you can do? That's a weird way to put it. Yes, Jay, what? You'd be helping us keep the nearly 500 episodes online. Yeah, that's true. We're closing in. We're, we're past the 450 mark, steaming along to uh, 500. Gosh. Who would have thought? When do we go into syndication and start making that sweet, <laughs> sweet TNT money? <laughs> or USA? TBS? TBS. When do we get that money? I want that. I want oh, some of that man. big band theory, uh, money. I want some of that stuff. <laughs> that's a very good question. I wish it worked like that for podcasts. Yeah. Alas, it does not. So we'll have to just... Uh, you, sh- you get through that third season, and it's just cruise control from there forward. Right, exactly. It's just un- it's just uh, guest stars and Cousin Oliver and all that kind of fun stuff. Hey, we've got an episode, Jay, to record that involves not us talking about nonsense, but an Bummer. album. And true, true. to help us do so... We've got an old friend back with us from the other side of the planet in a completely different day. We're 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 not sure what's going on. We just know that the Earth is rotating, and uh, it's it's Sunday morning where he is. It's Saturday night for us. Welcome back to the show, Gavin Reed. Gavin, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, always always good to chat. Australia is so far away; it's almost like you're on the moon. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we yeah we have one of those lunar rovers just sitting here, um, and there's a few theories about whether Australia really exists or not. So yeah, you know that's true that 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 the people who are like flat earthers believe that Australia doesn't exist. <laughs> okay, you're not real, Gavin. That'd be why we don't have flat earthers, then I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's you might have true. a competent educational system, is what you might have. <laughs> no, and I say that as the spouse of an educator. Gavin, this is your third visit with us, I think, this year, right? This is yeah, it's um, basically all I do now. Yeah, that's right. You just you just hang out and wait for your three picks. And yep. um, why don't you tell the folks listening what your pick is for this episode? Okay, this episode, um, we're going with the Cruel Seas third album, The Honeymoon Is Over. How did you discover this album and... Do you can you explain sort of the backstory with this band a little bit also? Absolutely. Um, so the Cruel Sea probably forming in about eighty eight eighty nine. They're a late eighties band, but they were an instrumental band at the time, um, playing what they described or what is described um, as surf rock. But to me, it's more it's a bit of that. It's a bit of bluesy and maybe a bit of a sort of Cajun sound as well to it. They existed at the end of hair metal so therefore they had no attention um and then 
they were slowly building crowds and then obviously Nirvana happened um, and everything changed and nobody nobody really knew what to like anymore. And these guys make a music that's it's pretty accessible. Certainly the singles are very accessible. Um, so they became omnipresent on the radio with a couple of songs. But then they've also got serious credibility in the alternative scene because they're guys who have been playing forever. They've been in all the underground bands. They've done all the hard work to get there. Um, so they kind of were able to meld like popular FM radio and alternative FM radio to and be credible to both, which was kind of amazing. Um, so they were everywhere. But strangely enough, because a large um, percentage of it is instrumental, it's an album that sold very solidly, but one that I doubt very many people actually listen to from start to finish ever. Hmm. So how did you discover, like, was this something that you were onto the band from the start, or did you uh, hear them on the radio? Like, how did you uh, come upon them? I would have kept, it would have been Triple J for me. It would have been um, This Is Not The Way Home, which is uh, the single from the previous album, was played a little bit, and I think that actually got onto commercial radio as well. But then the, the first um, song released from this one, um, Black Stick, was was quite big and that was quite popular and I, that would have been my introduction to them my heart is a muscle and it pumps blood like a big old black steam train my veins are the tracks and the city is my brain my stomach is the ocean and it swallows up the sun at the end of the summer's In addition to that, the um, band is fronted by Tex Perkins, who we've crossed paths with a couple of times so mm-hmm. far on the podcast. So um, my awareness of him goes back further um, to the Beast Suburbans, and he had a band, a punk band called Thug before that, and many little projects prior to that. So kind of, kind of twofold. Yeah, this was a very successful record. It came out in May of '93, but in '90, so in '94 when they held the ARIA Awards, it won five ARIA Awards, including Single of the Year, Song of the Year, which I don't know what the difference between Single and Song of the Year, but okay. Album of the Year, Best Group, and Producer of the Year. When the producer was, uh, one of the two producers was Mick Harvey, who's in Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, Yes. And so this was a very, in terms of awards... And it had over 140,000 copies sold. You know, in terms of sales, it's, this is a successful record. So, yeah, I think I've read somewhere that it breached um, 250. Okay. That might have been just that first year. Yeah. So we've got a few comments. Well, besides your comment, we've got a comment from Jeremy <laughs> over at Patreon. He said, some strange mixture of David Lee Roth, Huey Lewis in the News... <laughs> 
Wire Train, and even a little bit of In Excess, Leonard Cohen, and Early Charlton's sprinkled in. I wish I could hear the other four tracks, because only eight of the tracks are available in the U.S. Uh, the only eight uh, to listen to, I'm at a long EP. Also, I didn't see, let's lay down here, listed on the track list on Wikipedia. Um, was that a U.S. track? So, yeah, I have a question about that. Because the, the MP3s that you provided to us, yep, there's 13 tracks. But on Wikipedia, yep. there's 12 tracks. So what's the deal? Hang on. Let me have a look at – because I don't have the CD anymore. Um, so I'm operating off uh, you know, streaming. Yeah, um, and it's, this album for me was on Spotify, so I used your MP3s. Jay, was this on Apple Music or anything for you, or did you use MP3s? MP3s. Yeah, no. This uh, There were a couple other records on yeah. Apple Music, but not this one. I've got 13 tracks on Apple Music for me. Okay, uh, so it's not streaming in the U.S. So we actually used YouTube for eight of the twelve or thirteen tracks to uh, preview this record over at Patreon. Uh, I had not heard of the Cruel Sea. Obviously, I knew who Tex Perkins was based on our Beasts of Bourbon review previously. Jay, I'm going to take a wild stab and say you had not heard of the Cruel Sea. I had not. Let me ask you him. before we before you listen to it. Did you think it was going to be like a heavy band in the in the vein of like Mark of Cain or something? Yes, that's what I was expecting too. <laughs> Based on that name, and yep. the honeymoon is over. I was like, oh, this is going to be dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be some dancing shit. This, yeah, <laughs> this this band is pissed. The honeymoon is over. Shit's cruel, about to get cruel, real. Cruel C. Cruel C. <laughs> I, I yeah, I was totally expecting that. In lieu of that, Jay, mm-hmm. tell me one thing you liked about "The Honeymoon Is Over," the 1993 album by the Cruel C. Uh, well, this Gavin is a really re- weird record. So <laughs> uh, thanks for bringing it to us. Um, That's why I did it. I like you said, Tim. I, I thought we were going to get into um, something fairly heavy and uh, dark. Uh, there is some darkness on the record, which I like. You know, the singer has got a, a unique voice um, in a lower register. He can kind of do like the very like almost, um, well, maybe Nick Cave style, like narrative really well. Uh, just I think his voice lends to kind of drawing you in and storytelling. So I think that part delivers on the expectation that this is going to be, you know, uh, on the darker side. What I didn't expect is that when they said C, that sometimes I would feel like I was on a cruise ship. (laughs) Um, There is definitely either, yeah, I don't know if it's Cajun or Caribbean or reggae or, or what it is, but a lot of percussion, xylophone maybe um things that were maybe more in the caribbean feel so that was totally unexpected hearing how that comes together with some of the other maybe a little bit more i don't know traditional um blues or rock flavors i think is what makes the record unique and compelling Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of what stayed with me. Um, obviously, took me back 
first couple listens uh, in terms of where are we going and what is this about? Holy moly, like, is this the Spin Doctors? Is it a jam band? Is this a reggae band? Like, holy crap, what's going on? Um, it took me some time, and those two, uh, all those pieces I described have started to come together um, co- more cohesively with more listens. And now I'm kind of able to, I think, to start to see just that unique mix, which I think at the end of the day is, is the thing that uh, works best for the record. is uh, just an unconventional combination of, of sounds. Yes. <laughs> this record is wild. I, I was not prepared for this. I, I think I listened to it like three times in a row and was just like, what am I listening to? The only thing I can, the thing that kept coming into my head was um, if they made a, a sequel to the Roadhouse movie and they wanted to have a different band instead of the Jeff Healy band and they wanted to set it in New Orleans, this mm. could be the soundtrack for the Roadhouse sequel. Wow. With, the, with the instrumental tracks as, you know, music from scenes and, you know, the honeymoon is over. The title track could be played in the bar while there's like a bar brawl happening. And it, I, I, I was just floored at how unex, how unprepared I was for, you're right. There is like straight up reggae and dub reggae and, uh, Cajun Zydeco, music and i i was i didn't know what to do i just like looking at it like do i have the right album i i'm gonna <laughs> i gotta go to wikipedia and make sure i'm listening to the right thing are these mp3s corrupted did, did they get swapped by <laughs> something um but i gotta say like after i got through it a couple times and i was like okay well this is what this is i actually really enjoyed the diversity within the record as far as it's all about groove and and rhythm and Tex Perkins has a perfect voice for these really dark and sm- like it sounds like they're in like a smoky sweaty bar in in on Bourbon Street down in New Orleans like you can just hear the dankness of the production and it really works for me in that sense where it, it sets a mood and gives you this other world that they take you into. Jumping over fences, stealing clothes, going down drain pipes, following my nose, going underneath the where the slow ones go. Throwing rocks at houses, breaking windows Running down the street in the pouring rain Burning down the houses in the neighborhood again Stealing pet food, dragging my chain Bathing in the light of the naked flame Yes, we are enemies of many not every song works 100% successfully, but I really dug the the use of the instrumental tracks. Because a lot of times we talk about like, oh, this song's fine, but like the vocals don't do anything and it could have just been an instrumental track. And I kind of feel like this album goes, oh yeah, well, here you go. Here's the instrumental tracks that you've been talking about. And um, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a lot of fun. 
It reminded me in some places. Do, do you remember the band Critters Buggin' Jay? <laughs> wow, I haven't heard that name in a while. That was one uh, of those bands that came yeah, out of Seattle yeah, yeah. In, in the early 90s when like Seattle was breaking. Uh, and people yeah. were like, oh, yeah, there's some people from other bands that are in this Critters Buggin' band. And it was like this crazy instrumental like jazz, you know, world music band, essentially. It had nothing to do yeah. with grunge. Yeah. That's what I was getting from some of this. It was just like, oh, I completely misjudged what I thought was going to happen. And now I've got to reset my expectations. Um, but I think, you know, Tex Perkins has got a great voice. And when he's driving the song, like on the title track, The Honeymoon is Over, and a couple other ones, uh, Naked Flame, it just it just works for me. It shouldn't yeah. work, and it, it totally does. He's just got his big, I don't know if it's a baritone, but it's just that Nick Cave, Leonard Cohen deep voice that you're just like, okay, dude, whatever you're going to sing, I'm going to listen. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard some other like uh, I heard ZZ Top in here. I heard Archangels in here. Oh Maybe yeah, there's there's definitely some like blues, heavy blues like influence in here too. So oh yeah, that honeymoon is over. It could have been an Archangel song. It's probably the the best song that's not on the Archangels album. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I my notes on that song. I'm like the first half of this song like. Just the energy sounds like the spin doctors. <laughs> like, but by the end, he gets they get more intense and he gets more intense, and then it starts to sound more like the archangels. I'm like, okay, now I that's what I'm saying. Like, when you first get into the record and maybe you sample, you know, the first 30 seconds, minute of a song, you don't quite get it. Um, that's a good, I think that song, The Honeymoon is Over, is a good example of when you really pay attention to the whole from start to finish. Uh, it's, uh, it ends up in a, not like it's progressive, but it, there's just, just a different right energy to it. Like an attitude um, that it evolves to that. Right. Then you can understand it more completely. Oh, well, you can't sleep in my bed no more. You can't ride in my car. I won't let you go for me, baby It's never gonna get that far I'm gonna send you back to wherever the hell it was you came And then I'm gonna get this tattoo Change to another girl's name Oh, it ain't no fun no more I don't know what to say The honeymoon is over, baby It's never gonna be that way Like I said, this album was wild. Like Black Stick, I was like, this sounds like Eric Burden and the Animals. Yeah. Like this is like Spill the Wine territory, which I love that song. <laughs> I had Santana and War. Yeah, War. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Burden and War. Yeah. It it was I was like, I'm in. It doesn't yeah. make any sense that this is all working together, but okay. I I'm digging it. So Gavin, what are what works well for you on this record? It's it's just different for the time. So you've got this, uh, the words I've got written down that you've used a couple of them, um, groove, mood, there's a bit of, it's a bit sultry, there's some swagger um, to the majority of the record. I think it's um, a fantastic um, counterpoint to nearly everything that was coming out at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it's one you can put on 
you can almost put this on at a dinner party. The only outlier being the single Honeymoon is Over, or title track Honeymoon is Over, which is pretty much the only song on there that's just a straight-up rock song. Um, I think it would be interesting to hear the instrumental side of that and see if it fits back into the album again, because on its own, that's that's a very clear standout to me. It's the only song with any real... It has um, menace and intent in, in the delivery, mm-hmm. whereas everything else is, is a bit, you know, come over here and make love to me sort of thing, you know? So it's also it's a little bit timeless because it doesn't fit any particular genre. I can put it on today and it doesn't sound like 1993. Mm, yeah. So yeah, no, there's legitimately parts of this that uh, sound like the 60s. Yeah. Uh, mm. Now, there are parts that sound like the 80s to me, but mm-hmm. there are legitimately sections of this record. If you put it on, I would guess it was like a portion of a Hendrix song. You know, or war, or any of those bands we talked about. Like it legitimately sounds uh, right from that era. So, as far as stuff that didn't work, I I'm on board with this record up until track eight, "Woman with Soul." That song, like, is a needle drop. Uh, is or not needle drop? It is a needle scratch. It's like it is. It sounds like I, I don't like a uh, I don't want to say Michael Bolton, but it's like in this like soft rock territory that I was taken aback, like because this album has a little bit of edge to it in terms of groove. I don't know if you feel the same way, Jay, but that song was just like, whoa, what? It took me out of it. I kind of liked it. Okay, it it's definitely like it is a soul song. So. I think as a song, it works pretty well, especially with his singing. I thought the piano stuff on it was really cool. It definitely has a vintage kind of feel. It's um, maybe a little too straightforward. it's just too straight i think that was just the problem is that it's just a little yeah. too on the nose what about blame it on the moon then though is it um i don't mind it as a closing track but it's, it's really got straightforward this, yeah it, right. it has a like um uh scott walker-ish uh like 1960s spaghetti western <laughs> kind of feel to it like uh, Morricone, the director of uh, of uh, the guy, you know, the spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood, that like, dun, 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 tsh, dun. like it's got that vibe to it. So I was like, oh, okay. Got it. So you picked the two um, covers. Oh, Woman with Soul and Blame It on the Moon are covers. Yep. Oh. So that um, yeah, well done. That kind of makes sense. That you don't think they fit as well as the rest of the album. 
So um, one was Souls, Tony Joe White's from the 60s. So, and you, you said it sounds old, so there you go. There you go. Um, oh, blame it on the oh, moon's Gene Thomas. Wow. I like huh. Blame It on the Moon a lot. That's probably my favorite tune on the record. Really? You can see something horrible happening in a Tarantino film to somebody with that just playing along in the background, being kind of pleasant. Yeah, yeah. It it, it reminded me of Chris Isaac, too. Like it oh, yeah. In that, in that space, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. The other so, um, names that, that haven't come up yet, which has surprised me a bit, um, Iggy Pops, more crooning kind of singing, fits some of this, I think. And um, certainly um, Mark Lanigan is the um, 13th song uh, in particular. Yeah. Could be a Mark Lanigan song. Yeah. Um, Definitely could see the Lanigan. Um, well, that is, you know, Blame It on the Moon could be a Lanigan delivery. Yep. And I was thinking of like a band like Morphine um, sometimes yeah. too, you know. Uh, yeah, that, that fits. That was probably the most 90s thing I could come to other than Spin Doctors. <laughs> you keep saying that. I wince every time. Don't Some say that. Them. If you ever go and see them, don't say that to Tex. It'll break a bottle over your head. <laughs> um, is is the Cruel Sea still active? Um, they're active in so far as they haven't officially broken up, but I don't think they've played together or put anything out. Um, they, yeah, I wouldn't say they're never playing again, um, but they haven't played in a while. Does <laughs> that make sense? Yeah. In today's like- nostalgia market, there's every chance they go and do a thing. They headline a gig at a winery at some point. <laughs> Looks like 2002 is the last release. It was a compilation that came mm. out. So yeah, it's been a while. Although they, well, they're all pretty, um, they all keep putting things out constantly. So you've got, yeah, you've got the the Dirty Three text constantly puts out music, um, much like Mark Lanigan does, where he's just, oh, now I'm singing with this person on this album, and I'm doing this over here, and you know, just a constant. I've seen him at a little um, pub up the road from here last year, singing um, Johnny Cash songs to about 12 people. Huh. It does say that they toured in 2010, but that um, guitarist and keyboardist James Crookshnack passed away in 2015 from cancer. Mm. So that might put a damper on any future. But you know, I don't know how important he was in terms of if he was a songwriter or if he was a contri- uh, what kind of a contributor he was to the to the overall band. But they might not continue playing if they if he's passed. Um, what on this record doesn't work for you, if anything, Gavin? Um, yeah, nothing really doesn't work for me. I, as I say, the the dinner party reference. So if you put this on as background music with other people around who aren't. Um, who don't know it or they're not into it, I feel the Honeymoon is Over track stands out because you've got this fairly good, smooth background thing going on and then all of a sudden this just jumps out and goes, hey, you know, and grabs you by the collar. Um, so I'm not saying that doesn't work. I'm just saying in the context of which, in the way I imagine most people listen to this album, mm-hmm. that's a, a very different sound to the rest of it without being without sounding like a different band. Um, the following album has a very similar thing. The following album's Three Legged Dog, um, and it's a bit more, um, oh, a bit bit stranger again. This is actually referred to as their pop record. Um, 
but it has a, a single called Better Get a Lawyer, which, while sounding different to The Honeymoon's Over, has the same attitude and the same swagger and menace to it, and, again, is at odds or different to every other song on the album. And, again, was the single. <laughs> gotcha. So... You know, I was trying to think. I, I mentioned Critters Bug, and as far as like any sort of relation to an American band, I couldn't think of how this would. I mean, I guess the 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 title track could make it onto U.S. maybe college radio in in the '90s, but man, '93. This is a tough record. I mean. Where, where is this going to get played in the U.S. with with the? I, I can, I can tell you how they tried to. How they tried to do it. Um, so ninety late ninety three ninety four they sent them on tour of America. So by this stage the next album is in existence. I think the um, singles out so that the bands moved on to that, and they're supporting the Rolling Stones on the Voodoo Lounge tour. Um, then they also had a habit of sending them out on um, as support for the Bad Seeds. Which is a you know fairly obvious one, but I think that 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 particular choice confines them to being um, like a poor man's Nick Cave because that's how they're seen. Like they're you know they're, you're the underlings singing in a very similar vein, um, and he's the more famous character at least overseas. Right. But yeah. The the Voodoo Lounge Swing thing was a bit was a bit strange, but I could see people digging it. That is crazy that they would open on Voodoo Lounge to me. I mean, like that's. That's such a big stadium band, and that record is like the height of their stadiumness. I don't, I, I, I can't imagine this band opening for them. That's nuts. Like, were they in the parking well, the lot? Like that... before the band played? <laughs> like on a on on a side stage? Like, yeah, they're oh selling dub God. tapes in the car park. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is cuckoo. Well, the other thing that happened is they were... So this band got discovered on a small record label called Red Eye, right. which was then bought by Polydor. And when they bought that, um, they got a new A&R guy from Polydor, but they already had a Red Eye um, A&R guy as well. So then they're competing. Um, and so Red Eye knew how to market the independent bands, but not necessarily how to manage a band that's selling 250,000 copies. Polydor knows how to do that, but not how to market an independent band. Yeah, so obviously enough, then that's probably their influence. Going, hey, you're used to you're selling records, Rolling Stones, whereas everyone else is having the response you're like you're having, which is, but the same person's not going to buy both those albums. Right. I mean, in '93, the person buying the Rolling Stones is like a middle-aged boomer. You know, mm. there it's 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 not. Uh, I don't know. It's just weird. And then, then I'm looking at it, you know, their next album goes number one. Three-Legged mm. Dog went number one in Australia. This went number one. Well, according to Wikipedia, this only made it number four. Oh, I've got to just debuting at four and going to one. Maybe that's a single. Oh, okay. Well, it's possible Wikipedia is not right. <laughs> that's, always, that's always a possibility. Anyway, so, yeah, this... I don't know how we, I don't know how it would do. I mean, throw them out on the road and you try to get them in front of some audiences, but that's a that's an interesting proposition. Well, typically, I'd say your roadhouse analogy. Well, not 
deadly serious isn't a bad one in that they accrue a crowd by playing the same venue consistently and people going, oh, well, I went and saw this pretty cool band I've never heard that you've never heard of who play this weird um, melange of you know all different styles and then they bring somebody and then that person goes away and says the same thing and they bring somebody. I think that, that's how they'd build a crowd. I don't think they're the band that you listen to once and go, okay, that's what I want to hear now. Oh, no. My Roadhouse suggestion is dead serious. <laughs> it's called Roadhouse Big Easy. <laughs> it's- Am I mistaken in that they are actually remaking this with Ronda Rousey as the lead role? I think you're oh, right. no. No, I, no, no, no. I, I think you're right. <laughs> oh, come on. You can't remake it. No, no, no. Mine stars... Uh, a, a WWE wrestler like Jason Momoa or something like that, and uh, <laughs> he's not a WWE wrestler. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? No, didn't he come out of WWE like The Rock I don't think and so and John Cena, <laughs> like one of those guys? He came out of Game Tim's of Thrones. Just joining, he's yeah. just joining all the nautical themes together, the Cruel Sea and Aquaman together, one night <laughs> only. There you go. No, but I I, I think there's a definite. There's a there's a screenplay there, with uh, with Tex Winter or Tex Winter Tex Perkins, <laughs> as the uh, as the guy in the bar, who's uh, you know he gets to have like two lines when he you know like the way that Jeff Healy does in in Roadhouse. Uh, okay, let's give our uh, final uh, rating on this record on the website. It got a better EP, 67% better EP, 33% worthy album. Nobody went with a decent single. So that's good. But now it's up to us. So, Jay, worthy album, better EP, decent single. Where do you land? I'm going with an EP. Uh, The things I don't like about the record, boy, it feels a lot like I'm on a cruise, like I said, um, through sections of the record. It's going to take me some time to like make that all work. Um, yeah, so but I it, like it's a cruise that might have like a Corona. You got a lime in there. <laughs> You're chilling. I don't know, man. They might have more than that on this cruise. Uh, <laughs> but it's a cruise. Got a little ganja. <laughs> um, I like the honeymoon is over. I like Delivery Man, which to me sounds like ZZ Top, which is kind of cool. Um, I like Naked Flame. Woman with Soul, I like, and Blame It on the Moon. So, uh, what have we got? About five songs. So, uh, I dig all that. I, I couldn't come around to a lot of the instrumental stuff on here. Um, I think that's more where it gets into the heavy reggae Caribbean vibe that just didn't work for me. Okay. I'm at a worthy album. Um, I dig the instrumental stuff and as well as most of the songs. I didn't care for Woman with Soul. I already made that perfectly clear. How'd you feel about that song? I did not like it. I did not uh, care. For, I, um, it, it did not uh, tickle my fancy. Soul? Yes. Uh, I don't like any songs that use the word soul. You know, that's a, that is a uh, legitimate critique. <laughs> the, I can get on board with that. The word soul is offensive. It's, it's like saying rock and roll in a song, too. Right. Really hard to do. Well. Just kind of got to do it, not talk about it. And I, you know, besides that, I I don't have a lot of issues with with the record. I understand that it's, you know, it's a little 
jarring to jump around from what you're saying like there's a zz top-esque song and there's a you know eric burden in war and then you're jumping into like a reggae and a cajun uh you know it's just it's all over the place but i like it 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 was fun to listen to once i understood what was going on and just put it on and work to it for you know a couple times each day so i'm at a worthy album gavin uh, yeah, I think it's fairly obvious so that I'll be a worthy album on it. Um, your One of your usual um, criticisms or observations is the length of an album. You could play this album for 25 minutes or for an hour and a half, um, and it'd be just as enjoyable because I think it sits better in the background, as I've said. Um, I think also they get extra marks for making a whole generation of Australian men seem a little bit more mysterious and sensitive than, than they really are. Um, because whenever we'd have, um, whenever we'd meet women, we could say, oh, "I've got that cruel C album," you know, and put that on in the background. So I think they get extra points for that one. Nice. But yeah, definitely a worthy album. So I don't. I was not expecting to get here when Orlean Stomp started. I was so confused, and yet here we are, two albums and an EP. So you never know what's going to happen. You never. You can never predict how this is going to turn out. I think I just gave this a better review than Slant's Spider-Lamb, <laughs> which is going to infuriate <laughs> some people. But, uh, hey, everything has to be judged on its own individual merits, right? Yes, absolutely. So that's how it goes. So please direct your hate mail to... RPO box, which I forgot what that is. Gavin, thanks for uh, thanks for making the third time the charm, and uh, and thoroughly uh, entertaining us with this uh, with this record. We were not prepared for it, but we both enjoyed it in our own ways. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Always always happy to make sure uh, the listeners realize that there was more music in the '90s than uh, grunge and power pop. It's true. There was also bluesy Zydeco <laughs> reggae <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> so I want to remind everyone, um, you can, uh, well, I don't know if you can make three picks like Gavin, but you can at least get one pick in per year, and you can help us in picking via our polls by going to uh dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com and joining our Patreon union for as little as two bucks a month. Have a voice in the albums that we check out, in the roundtables that we host, and all that kind of fun stuff. Also, help us out at iTunes. Leave some positive feedback uh, so we can break the thousand uh, barrier into the into the hundreds in the uh, review category. So, yeah, that's it. That I, is it. What what dog was that? Not me. Okay. There's one outside here somewhere, but I can even barely hear it. So you got good ears. <laughs> I yeah. It's Australia. It could be like a jackal. That's true. <laughs> that's a dog from the future. It was actually a large dog. spider being a, a, attacking <laughs> a, a jackal, <laughs> and then a snake the ate them here. both. The dog. <laughs> And then a wildebeest came and 
was killed by a mammoth. Uh, for Jay, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Yeah.